Welcome in everybody to another episode of the Blue Jay Beat Postgame Podcast. I'm your host, Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review. Um, this podcast is sponsored by Court Date. Uh, CourtDate.io is Omaha's newest way to play, really. I mean, our, our old buddy, my guy, Matt Hoover, who used to do some advanced analytics work for us at White and Blue Review in the Tyler Clement era. Um, he's got this new website up and running now and if you're basically in the Omaha metro area and looking for a place to hoop and, um, you know, get some get some running, get some skills work, get some team practices, whatever you need, um, he's kind of the middleman to help you find a COVID-safe, socially distanced gym, hook you up with local facilities in the area. So if you're looking for a place to get some, get some work in, um, hit up courtdate.io and uh, tell Matt we sent you to him and he'll hook you guys up on the podcast tonight to break down Creighton's 87-56 win over Butler in the Big East Tournament quarterfinals is the aforementioned man himself, uh, Tyler Clement. Not Matt Hoover, Tyler Clement. Um, (laughs) uh, Tyler, TC, appreciate you hopping on. And actually, it's a funny story because I've been trying to – we've been trying to hook up all season basically to because, you know, I like – his. he's got a good basketball mind. He's a fun dude. But he's also coaching now, so it's like it's kind of hard to make the schedules work because he has to break down scouting reports of his own now. Um, but I appreciate you hopping on, finding time to finally do this. Yeah, no, appreciate you having me. Like like you said, uh, we had a couple dates circled throughout the year and didn't work out because of our high school season that we had going on. But unfortunately, we lost last week in the state playoffs, so uh, schedule's a little bit more open now. So happy to be on. Thanks for having me. Was this your first? Um first season on the sidelines was this the first one second year okay last year was the first one how's it going so far Uh, it's been good I mean the the nice thing about it is I'm assistant for varsity and JV so with my you know everyday job I can't be there every day for coaching so the head coach works really well with me as far as letting me come as much as I can and I'm at all the games and weekend practices so so fun to kind of do it while I can if you will so it's it's been good do you are you do you have like some uh what are you comfortable on the whiteboard yet are you drawing up some intricate max style sets yet are you trying to like you know simplify it for the young guys you know it's it's kind of it's funny because I I try to bring as many sets as I can and our coach is really good about being really open and he's just super open to any ideas that the staff has and so to your point, though, I do have to sometimes remember like sets that work in college, but you know, taller, better athletes don't always work at the high school level. But there is some crossover for sure that I've tried to, you know, infiltrate as much as I can. But uh, as far as like the in-game whiteboards, I've had a little bit of experience with that. Just if I fell in for like a freshman coach or a JV coach, um, but uh, still, still a long ways to go in that regard because I don't have as much experience being the head coach of a game, but. Um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's, it's interesting trying to bring as much kind of that creating influence as I can. I think as long as you look confident, they'll be confident, right? Exactly. You just you got to fake it till you make it. So <laughs> that's right. Fake it till you make it. Exactly. Um, well, Creighton didn't fake anything tonight. They looked. Uh, I think you know th- that that Seton Hall home game is obviously going to be the first thing on people's minds when i say this but i felt like that was as that was the most complete performance they've put together in terms of all phases of the game i thought just to answer that uh first uh 
pushback, I guess. The Seton Hall game to me was close early and even into the late port later stages of the first half. And I felt like Seton Hall just like Creighton got on a roll and I thought Seton Hall just started like self-destructing, if you will. And that's how mm-hmm. that thing got ugly. So from a deficit standpoint, that's been the most lopsided, but I didn't think Butler ever really was in this one tonight. I mean, they had the DJ D- Damian Jefferson got started and then Butler made cut a couple bus buckets in a row to cut it to a one possession game. And then DJ and Sharif went on a crazy run to make it a nine point game. And they just blew it wide open and it never was really that competitive again. Um, so from that standpoint, it just felt like from the jump, from jump to buzzer, uh, it felt like like Creighton's most complete performance. And I just wondered if, you know, you've had a chance to um, see this team play a lot. And you've also, you know, play with a lot of these guys and watch them develop. Like how close to A plus in all phases was that for tonight in your eyes? Yeah, it was like you said, I mean, if not the best game of the year, the you know top two best games because, you know, from start to finish, they really controlled the game. And that, that's a good point on the Seton Hall game. It kind of the second half, all of a sudden in that game, it was like went from 15 to 40. Whereas tonight, they just controlled it from the jump. And to your point, it was, you know, first half, they it seemed like we could have even been up by more at halftime, but because it, 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 Butler never felt really that close. And then there was, you know, pretty, I think, much showed the maturity of the team to kind of put them away and, again, continue to control. Yeah, so the, the, the nice part is the, the defensive effort. I mean, because the offense is obviously, you know, never usually a problem for Creighton. But whenever we do miss shots, that's when the, you got to fall back on our defense. And you know, I think just from the jump, and Butler's a little shorthanded, but still just to control it on that end of the floor was huge and you know, never give them a chance. Yeah, I mean, just on the defensive side of it, you know, Chuck Harris for Butler, who's going to be a really good player in this league if, you know, if you haven't paid a whole lot of attention with, with him yet. You know, he he had 29 on senior day against Creighton, even though that game was a blowout. Um, he did perform really well. And then he was obviously great last night against Xavier in their comeback win um, in overtime. And it felt like Creighton just <laughs> – this kind of like shows you Creighton's ability to execute on the defensive end as much as the offensive end, because they focused on him. And every time Butler got him in a ball screen, um, I mean, you know, the phrase Jimmer, right? You know, that, that, mm-hmm. that, that scheme, like that's what Marcus Zagorowski said in the post game that they jimmered those ball screens and, you know, just heated him up, made him get rid of it and, you know, forced him into some bad decisions. Uh, basically put the pressure on him from the jump. Did you like, did you feel like coming in that was going to be a key to it because of the the way he's been playing down the stretch? If they can get him out of rhythm or keep him from getting started, then Butler's offense might have a tough time keeping up. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, because you could you notice the effect that that you know what we call Jimmer ball screen is that double of that ball screen had on them, and you know, like you said, having such a familiarity playing them five days ago, whatever it may be, you know, to try to take him out of the game, like you said, was clearly a focus. And, you know, looking forward, if you come win tonight, you'd probably see something similar with their backcourt. Um, you know, obviously they've got two good backcourts with Cole and Booknight, but again, that's getting ahead of ourselves. But at least focusing on tonight, that was clearly an emphasis to try to just, you know, that the idea of that defense obviously is to get it out of their best players' hands if they're going to do a lot of ball screens or run their point guard or shooting guard, whatever it is, into ball screens. And so – it was super effective, and it, it also was a testament to both bigs, the way that they hedge and stay on that double team like Christian and, um, you know, 
Cockburner tonight, just their ability to jump out there and really kind of make them look uncomfortable because they never really got into a flow offensively. And NZ seemed to be the only one that kind of kept Butler within 30, honestly. Um, but, uh, you know, it was well-executed defensive game plan tonight from kind of start to jump. And they, you know, it's all about finishing those possessions too. And they seemed to do that. It didn't really give them a lot of offensive rebounds, which is key when we play with those smaller lineups. Yeah, and I thought, I thought the other part of it too was it wasn't just – it wasn't just Christian and Ryan either. Cause you saw, I mean, in past years, you know, with Martin and Christian and, you know, even JP, that five man is so crucial to that part of it. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes the wings don't really understand how hard that is for a big to do all that. So sometimes there'll be a part of practice where Mac will be like, Hey, one of you guards get in here and we're going to basically do the whole drill with you. And it'll sh- show you how difficult it is to, hedge hard, basically chase a ball handler all the way out to the midcourt and then get back to the rim to protect against a big man, essentially. But I thought Damian Jefferson did a really good job of it tonight when they – because they Butler didn't just set one fives. They set one fours, mm-hmm. too, to try to get him loose um, and set up some pick and pops for NZ and Golden. And I thought Damian Jefferson did a good job heating those up and recovering um, in a different way because that's like a pick and pop action with him. So he would have to – you know, recover laterally as opposed to all the way back to the rim. But I thought he was really – both him and Christian were super effective at applying enough pressure to, you know, uh, throw that set out of out of its off time off, – off its timing and and get back to make sure that they didn't pay for it on the weak side. Well, and to, yeah, to your point, when Butler or any team goes with a, you know, too big lineup, you know, and NC can play on the perimeter too. But, you know, like you said, if – they're going to set ball screens with the four man too. And you don't want to have a guard then switch on to a skilled big man like Enzi. That's where it's huge that, like you said, DJ to be able to happen to your point, as far as the rotations go, I mean, guys seem to be flying around, which is you know always a key because anytime you double, there's going to be recovery situations where the big man has to fly back and the other three are just putting out the fire with the other four guys. And so to your point, whenever there was a situation where we called flying around, I mean, they just rotated well. And it's, it's just about, you know, kind of talking your way through it. And honestly, it's, it's 90% effort in that place. And they, they seem to do a great job of just executing and, you know, never letting Butler, again, never letting them really get into a rhythm. what do you see out of Creighton's energy tonight? You know, because they've been, I mean, they've essentially been going through unprecedented emotions, especially for this time of the year. And, to try to compartmentalize all that and then focus on basketball um, because this is the time of year that was taken from them last year. So there is a little bit of a hunger there. And mm-hmm. they, so they had to deal with all those, the emotional, the emotional, the emotions of the week in the week, last week and a half, but it, it just seemed like, you know, basketball, like they were, they were just like thrilled to be back out on the court, man. And just like playing, you know, for something essentially because they, they got that ripped away last year at halftime of their first Big East game, Big East tournament game. Like, did you notice that they, they, they seemed freed up tonight, that they were ready um, for March, if you will? Because, like, we've had this – we've had these questions all season, like they'll lose a game at home to Marquette, they'll lose a game at home to Georgetown and Providence, and, you know, they lost at Butler without Marcus. But, like, you know, they're like, where, where is this team's A game right now? Like, where, why are they not consistent with it? Like, and it, just, it did feel like there was a little bit of, like, you know, let's just get to March because March is where we got interrupted last year. Like we want to be back to that point, and that's when it's business time, essentially. Like, did you notice that they they were freed up tonight, and they they know what this moment is 
is kind of asking of them. Yeah, and, and to your point, they it, it, it did seem like they were just having fun out there, which is what you love to see. Um, and, you know, to your point also, it's I think it's kind of a sign of the, you know, experience and maturity that this team has, you know, with their starting lineups having, you know, so much, you know, depth of experience. And to your point, they didn't get the chance last year to, you know, show out in March like we felt they were capable of. And, you know, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily a matter of, you know, wait until March for them to turn it on. But, you know, if this was their best or second best performance of the year, it's a great time to have it. And hopefully they can, you know, roll on into the next two days and, you know, just keep rolling into uh, the tournament next week. But it's a, it's a great time to put together a game like this, because like you said, I mean, you can see it at the end of the game too, with all, you know, everybody getting into the scoring action and the bench celebrating. I mean, that's, those are the type of games that, you know, are tough to forget if you will. So um, hopefully we can just kind of keep riding this emotions. It was, a, it was a great overall win from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it, it, it's tough because this tournament is not easy to win games. in. I mean, you know, firsthand. Um, and if you, and just the tenor of the tournament in general, I think, you know, only Georgetown and Marquette has been the only, game that was uh you know a wipeout essentially all the other ones i mean um you know georgetown villanova one point game today last possession uh st john seton hall went to overtime butler xavier went to overtime DePaul providence went down the stretch like all these games so far have been nail biters essentially and what, what creighton did tonight is is an outlier like to put it on a team that's as disciplined as butler right like that's what they're known for right so it's not easy to to get them on tilt make them make mistakes and then execute offensively like they did tonight um i just it's like it was just impressive to watch it because you you just didn't know what was going to happen like you don't know who's affected who's dealing with the distraction in a certain way like who's ready to play basketball like it's tough to understand how that's going to go team-wide and I don't know, man, like Damian Jefferson set a crazy tone tonight. Like he was attacking the rim from the start. Uh, you saw Marcus was, you know, he had, he had his best out there. Like I thought Christian played well, Sharif, Antoine. I mean, you can go Denzel. I thought played really well defensively. Um, it Like that was an impressive, that was a statement tonight because the Big East tournament doesn't, you don't kick the crap out of teams like that in the Big East tournament. Like that's just not the way it goes. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just couldn't help but be impressed. Yeah, I mean, then that's what's fun to watch about this team when they are on their A game, like we talked about. It's, you know, just the balance that we have. And, you know, if, if we bring it defensively and put, can put together good defensive efforts the next couple of days and in March, then you don't need everybody to, you know, score in double figures each game. It's it's the, the balance that we have is nice because one or two guys can have an off night and the other three or four, you know, main scorers can still pick up the slack. And so that's, to me, what's exciting is the defensive effort, um, you know, because our offense is usually there. It's putting the, putting together on both sides of the ball where occasionally we'll come up short. And so that's, you know, like you said, I mean, just getting the efforts and the, the play we did out of everybody tonight. And you can kind of get that person under your belt in New York is huge because it, they aren't easy. I mean, every you see it every year. There's uh, seems to be uh, upset in the first couple games and, um, we've already seen it, you know, with Nova going down, obviously they're short-handed, but, you know, Butler, or excuse me, DePaul last night. So, you know, there's there's no easy games there. And, you know, you can look at a couple of years back when, you know, DePaul almost beat Xavier in the first night and Xavier wouldn't have made the tournament, then they end up making the Elite Eight. So it's like, 
elected to put DePaul beat Xavier last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's there's there's no easy games, and so when you do get a win, um, like tonight, you obviously got to enjoy it, but then you know come right back, and that, and that that's another key thing that's just huge about controlling the game like we did and putting it away is not expending you know a lot of minutes on the across the line because you know playing three games in a row like we did one of my years or I guess two of my years my redshirt as well but you know that's that's draining on a team where um, if you play three straight nail biters and so um, it was nice to be able to control a lot of the starters and key players minutes with a, a win as dominant as it was. Yeah just your point about balance like <laughs> they Creighton scored 87 points tonight and they shot, I think, when they over sixty percent from the field. I think it was a season high. Well, they didn't have any. We didn't have any free throws till like probably the last like five or six minutes, and that's right. what's impressive. It was just efficient. Yeah, they were sixty-two point five percent for the game, and they only attempted six free throws all night. So, um, you know, thirteen to twenty-four from three, thirty-five of it. So, what is that? Twenty-two of thirty-one from two. That's crazy. That's absurd. Um, but like. 87 points and the high scorer was Marcus Zagorowski with 18 and only three guys were in double figures. I mean, that's just crazy balance right there. That means everybody kind of got into the mix a little bit. So you have, you have Denzel, Antoine and Sharif all had eight. Alex O'Connell had six. Um, Ryan Cockburner had six. And then uh, Murfeld, uh, Osmani and Davis all hit buckets in, 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 uh, down the stretch, like <laughs> Mitch Ballack only had three points, like, and he scored eighty-seven. Yeah. He scored eighty-seven. That's ins- I mean that we've seen that last year. Like he went scoreless at Seton Hall, and they scored eighty-seven in that one, right? That was their. Mm-hmm. And they have 87, 87, 82, I think. Yeah, so I mean, right. yeah, it was definitely in the eighties. Yeah. So I, I, my question out of that one is because you can speak to this, like, you know how long it takes for a group to develop that much cohesiveness where. Um, you know, normally like if a team goes for 87, one guy has to be in the thirties and the others are kind of, you know, maybe one is in double figures and another one is, you know, everybody else is kind of in single digits or you have like four or five guys all shooting absurd, you know, from, from the field, like, but tonight it was like three double figures and the rest of them just chipped in, you know, their, whatever they, whatever they found on the floor, essentially that they just picked up the scraps. So how do you, how, how hard is it to develop that? How many, how many reps does it take? How many years does it take to get a group of guys to all be on the same page at that level? Cause it's not like we've talked about, you don't kick the crap out of teams like this at this level, unless you've put in a lot of time together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's what it is. It's time and repetition. And, you know, we, we have a starting lineup this year of juniors and seniors that have now come some of them playing in their third year together. Um, Obviously, you know, Mitch started some his freshman year, so he's, you know, basically a four-year starter. And Christian's been, you know, played a lot of lot of minutes in his first three years and now as a junior as well. And, you know, DJ and Denzel as well as transfers. And then obviously Marcus has played a bunch since he arrived on campus. And so, you know, where that comes is just not only playing meaningful games together, which they have a lot this core has, especially last year, you know, what they built momentum wise last year. And then it's also just kind of the essentially what what's been that kind of culture ever since Mac got there over the last 12 years is just kind of the, that playing style. Once you, once you're in the system a couple of years, it's just kind of, you know, second nature. And, 
um, the style of play we, we like to play by, by getting up the floor, getting the court spread, having the ball move side to side, a lot of ball screens on multiple sides and, you know, just spaced with shooters. And it's, you know, I was talking with Kevin Jewell today, who knows that UNO and the coaching staff there now, and we were just talking about just kind of how that style of play, how it just kind of becomes natural after a couple of years. And it's, it's kind of more, uh, you know, it's, 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 Part, partly by just like, you know, the preaching day in, day out of the coaching staff, but it becomes, you know, second nature when we do it and pick up in the off season. And it's, you know, it's trying to just play that style of way all the time whenever we're playing pick up. And so that's where you get those just nonstop reps year round. And when you have an experienced team, like we've had some over the years with guys that have played, you know, multi-year starters, that's where you see that kind of cohesiveness. And it's this year is, you know, one of the more balanced teams I, I can remember. Um, so it's, I mean, to your point, it's, it's really just, it's just repetition and kind of uh, constant application of that culture, if you will. Uh, I want to talk about three guys individually here, starting with Marcus Zagorowski. I, well, I guess first question is like, are we to the point yet where he has surpassed you in the power rankings of number 11s in Creighton history, or is there still, does he still have, he more, just, does he, does he yeah. have more to prove there? Or is, what's, what, what do you think? He, he did until the night. He had a good behind the back pass. And so I went ahead and put him ahead of me after that. Um, Mark is great. He, he's, you could see that. Um, I could see, everybody could see that when he was, you know, a junior and senior in high school coming and playing pickup because he just had a, basketball intelligence about him that a lot of you know high school recruits don't even have at that point so you, you knew he's going to be special even if he wasn't he, he's a tremendous athlete but it wasn't like he was a five-star you know jump out of the gym guy he, you could just tell though the the iq and just the skill and the handle and you know it's he's got the whole package for what you want in the point guard and um it's it's been nice to see you know him start to find his rhythm over the last couple months coming off that injury from last year and probably didn't get the start of the year that he wanted to, but, you know, he seems to be coming into his own the last couple of months, kind of getting back to his, the way he played last year. And, and that was the thing too. It wasn't like he even played bad to start the year. It was just like, you know, you could tell he, he had more that he was still kind of getting comfortable with. And, um, you know, he's, he's a special player for a reason. And yeah, I mean, he, if, obviously that's the the goal and he's, he'll be the the leader of the team as the point guard. And if he can, you know, continue this play, he can take the team, him and just all, all the upperclassmen can take the team deep into March, which is which will be exciting to watch. That was the that was kind of the fun. I, I laughed about that a lot this season because it is like you said, um, the season probably didn't start off the way he wanted it to, but be that just because he was so far beha- behind on his on his timing and his reps and his rhythm, like the the uh, the knee injury, the knee surgery he was recovering from from last year, the torn MCL. Uh, plus the six weeks he missed in October into November, like that's, I mean, missing six weeks for anything is. It's rhythm. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. That's going to throw so much of it off. So everybody's trying to dissect, you know, these performances and then you get to the end of it and you're like, wait a minute, he's averaging basically the same numbers he averaged last year. I think the only thing that was maybe down dramatically was his finishing around the rim that, that like his percentages around the basket were, much lower than they were last year for that, for that stretch. So, <laughs> and then, and then, like you said, he's getting, getting caught up now. And it, it's just strange that the narrative around him was that he's not really himself yet. You named him preseason player of the year based on last year's performance. And he was living up to that bar 
So maybe you thought there was a jump there to be made, I guess. Um, that would be safe to assume. But he was still putting up the same elite level numbers that made them the number one seed in the in the tournament last year. So mm-hmm. uh, it, I thought he was being a little bit overly criticized. Um, yeah, it was it was too high of a bar in some cases. And, you know, it, it still, to your point, it was like, you know, he still needed that rhythm. So I think he would even say he could have played better, but he still didn't play bad. You know, it, it, it was still great basketball probably was like averaging 14 or so a game and you know 14 and four and it's like you know I guess people were expecting a double double every game but you know it it was it's just been nice to see him you know because like you said he's right back where he was last year essentially for statistics wise and so um you know him him and just all the guys kind of their level of comfort right now is is huge as far as you know when they're on the court and they looked super comfortable tonight which was nice this might be a weird question, but do guys have like, I don't know. Do you guys have just, you've got a team's number type of deal going on? Cause it's hard to ignore the sample size he's putting together against Butler. Now, if you go back to last year, uh, the game in Omaha, he had, I think he had 25 and I think he was seven for seven from three against like Aaron Thompson. Might have been six for eight. I can't remember, but like he was lighting him up. And Aaron Thompson is one of the, you know, Aaron Thompson is one of the best defenders in this conference. Has been basically his whole career. Um, and then this this senior day, he goes for thirty two, and I think he was like nine for twelve or ten for thirteen or something ridiculous. And then tonight, I mean, he was eighteen. I don't know how many. What did he shoot? Let me see. He had eighteen. Yeah, he was he was seven for ten tonight. Four for five from three. 18 points, five assists, only one turnover, three steals. Like, do, do guys have teams' numbers? Like, do you just feel good when you see a certain jersey color combination out there and you're just like, and you start to light it up? Does it stay in your brain? Like, when you see it again, do you just, is it like, it, Freudian? It, it, is it Freudian almost? I would, I think so a little bit. I mean, I, I think too, it, it, basketball is such a game of matchups to where sometimes a guy probably just have a, has a team's number because of the way they usually like to defend them. And, Granted, you can mix up defensive schemes, but, you know, I, I guess speaking firsthand, I did feel like there was a couple teams where, you know, obviously I didn't play as much as Marcus does, but where I did play better against other teams and, you know, multiple different games over different years. And um, so I, I, I do think there's some truth to that because, number one, it's probably just psychological, too. If you, if you play well against a team a couple different times early in your career, then, you know, every time you see them, you, you're kind of feeling comfortable already, even if it's even if it's new faces or, you know, slightly different defensive schemes. I mean, you just kind of have that level of comfort. And there is a lot of the, the psychological and mental side of the game that from offensively, especially if you're feeling good, you know, it's it, it's more likely more than likely going to translate. So I, I do think there's some truth to that. Do you, do you think he's taking a, a big step defensively? I mean, there's obviously a, everybody's taking a step defensively, but. You know, it just seems like he's tougher to score on. I mean, mm-hmm. he's 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 not like you can drive on him, you can finish on him inside because he's not, you know, he's not the strongest or tallest or most athletic guy. Like he's not going to the glass and pinning guys, you know what I mean? Um, but it just seems like he's tougher to score on. Like he'll you can't you'll get to the rim on him sometimes, but you can't always you can't get by him. He'll be there. You'll have to finish over a tough mm-hmm. contest. And then in the in on, on the perimeter, I feel like he's always kind of there on the catch when he needs to be i mean and if you hit on him it's just it's not really because he's out of position it's because you just made the shot essentially like 
a tap yeah. your cap type of deal. It just seems like he's made a jump, like a pretty yeah. good jump where he's he's consistently tough to score on. Even though you can score on him, he just makes it as hard as he possibly can make it, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's a naturally tough player, um, just a tough individual in, in general. So that's, you know, it's going to translate to his defensive effort. And he had a couple tonight where, especially one possession in the, uh, I want to say, first half where they're late in the shot clock and they've got a you know slightly taller guy and I'm trying to back him down and didn't really go anywhere and so the guy had to shoot like a fadeaway 17 footer and it was air ball shot clock violation but you know tried to get by him on a one-on-one move first of all and then tried to you know body him and you know the butler offensive player I don't remember who it was just couldn't really do anything and so that was just a kind of a microcosm of everything you just said where it's it's uh you know it's not somebody where you want to try to get a switch on him and then try to attack him. He's, he's definitely taking a lot of strides defensively. And then uh, the other guy I want to talk about is Damian Jefferson. Like, seems like he was the tone setter from the start. I mean, I think Marcus was, was – got off to a good start, but Damian, you know, with his drives to the rim, he was making – he was making Enzi and Golden because those are kind of the matchups that they're forced to deal with when they play Butler. He was making those guys work really hard on the defensive end to stop him. And I think that was, you know, partly partly worked into Creighton's defensive scheme because if you make those guys work on that end of the floor for them, it's harder for them to get rolling offensively. And I think I think Golden had like 20 points last night. I think he only missed one shot. Uh, Enzi hit like three threes. So like, so they, hit, they were coming off of a really good game. They were probably feeling pretty good about themselves um, going into the night, but I, they couldn't contain him. Uh, and I wonder if that was – uh, part of Creighton's game plan. I don't know if you noticed anything in terms of where they were trying to put DJ on the floor and the spots he was getting to. Um, and when he saw that matchup, how relentless he was in attacking it. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it was, I think it was the first play of the game. You know, they clearly ran a play for him. If it wasn't the first, it was the second play of the game. Um, and, you know, DJ is such a key component to attacking a team that's going to try to run two bigs, if you will, and even if it's two skilled bigs, like when Seton Hall plays Mommy at the four, he's still a really skilled and mobile big man. But then DJ's had his way sometimes with Mamu on the offensive side of the floor because, you know, he is a matchup nightmare in, in the sense of you have, you have to play small um, if you're the other team, if he's effective. And so that's where he's had some games like that this year where he's really attacking, but coming under control at the end of his attack too and just – you know, he's athletic enough and skilled enough to stop, turn around, hit a little floater, or, you know, let the defender fly by and then finish strongly. I mean, or he can get all the way to the rim quickly if he needs to, too, is because, you know, he's got that skill set. And, you know, when he's attacking and he's on his game, he's had games like that this year where, you know, he gets like 12, 14 points, 10 rebounds, you know, five assists, and, you know, he's just all over the stat sheet. And that's, I mean, that's huge when you have a guy like that that, number one allows you to play small because you can defend on the other end, but you know, then is it matchup nightmare uh, defensively for the other team? If, unless they're going to try to, you know, go small with us. And that's, that's always huge for us. Cause you know, we usually do have, you could say four guards and um, that's kind of been a you know, calling card for us, but it's, it's, you can't then give anything away on the defensive end if you're going to play small. And that's where he's huge. Just to, and you saw it starting last year where he took a huge stride and um, that's, you know, him and Denzel are both able to hold their own when we kind of have some skilled three and four guys that can, you know, guard defensively, but as well be, be, be matchup nightmares for a, if a team is going to play, you know, two bigs or, 
maybe a less uh, mobile four man. That's been like Creighton's been chasing that, right? They've been chasing the whole <laughs> well, they have to guard us mindset too. And I, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's like you said, uh, Damian Jefferson and you know Christian Bishop too, the way he can put the ball on the deck and make guys make mm-hmm. five men guard him from the three to the rim essentially. Um, they've they've they kind of like were you know stubborn about it, but they're like, look, once we get this thing flowing right, like they're they're not going to be able to guard this type of personnel. So the advantage they have on the glass and everything like that, as long as we have, as long as you give effort on that end of the floor, uh, and you know, bo- you know, keep your block out blockouts clean, like. Don't let guys blow by you and get to the rim because that creates rotations and then your blockouts are going to be compromised. Like it's all connected. Stay connected defensively. Offense is going to be easy essentially because you're going to have mismatches at two or three spots on the floor, right? Because all the everybody from one through five can put it on the deck and get to the rim, create for teammates, get their open shots. Like that's that's kind of the key to it all, right? If they just stay stay connected defensively, the offense will be pretty easy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's <clears throat> Whenever there's, you know, and that's, I, I feel like it's been my philosophy and a lot of coaches' philosophy. That's why you've seen a lot of NBA teams start to just go more small with mobile guys that can defend, but then create, you know, matchup nightmares. Because I think it's a lot easier to defend up. And by defending up, you know, if you're a smaller team, you're able to rotate and guard big guys. Because you can do a lot of things with, if a team wants to put a guy in the post that's bigger or two guys in the post, because you can, there's all kinds of double teams and rotations that you can do defensively where it's a lot harder if a guy's on an island defending um, a skilled four man. If, if you're just a one-on-one defender, there's a lot less you can do defensively, I think, to stop a team that can effectively spread you out and attack you offensively um, with a smaller lineup. So that's that's kind of why you've seen that shift across basketball is needing bigs that are mobile. You know, like you said, even Christian at the five is not your traditional five man and um, but you know, that's, that's where that kind of basketball is going to, you need big guys that can handle the ball a little bit and be able to move laterally, both offensively and defensively. And that's kind of the, where, where the game seems to be going. And that's, like you said, it's huge when you have a guy like DJ that can then also hold their own defensively. If, you know, he's six, five, six, six, if he's going to guard a six, nine, six, 10 guy, but he's strong enough and, you know, athletic enough to then get the rebounds and clean up the glass defensively. And that's, that's what you need because when you do go small, you're going to likely give up some offensive boards and you got to limit that as much as possible. When um, I lost my train of thought watching this UConn DePaul game. Um, when, I mean, you know what it's like to play against Butler, right? So you kind of know what the, what the, what you're in store for essentially. They're going to sacrifice their bodies. They're going to try to take those charges when you get into their chest uh, when you drive it, they're going to swipe at that ball with their gap help and try to, you know, get that thing rolled around on the floor and create turnovers, live ball turnovers that they can get easy points off of. How, it seemed like Creighton got to those seams pretty easily, though, and I don't know. I know there was a lot of ball reversals. There was a lot of baseline drives and a lot of, you know, because they were, you know, they like to drive baseline and reverse the floor, starting with that that corner three as the initiator, whether it's open or whether they had to, you know, one more it and keep it moving. Um what did you see is why why Creighton was able to create openings in those seams that aren't usually there against a Butler team? Like, why were they able to find openings to drive and attack the rim in those seams that aren't usually aren't usually provided? 
Yeah, tonight it seemed like we were fairly patient offensively. And and because like you said, I mean, Butler is a, usually a team that's pretty solid and tied together and, you know, going to grind you out. And the announcers even said it tonight. I think, you know, Ralph said they're comfortable coming from behind because they've done that, you know, multiple times over the, over the last couple games. And so they're never really out of a game. And that's kind of a, a testament to their toughness. But tonight it seemed like even in a possession where, you know, we had to grind it out a little bit. We didn't seem to ever take rush shots. And so, like, you still got good looks at the end of the shot clock and, you know, still patient getting the ball swung side to side because it's tough to defend if you do get the ball, you know, rotated multiple times. It's tough to defend for 30 seconds. And, and that's where it seemed like we were never, you know, out of sorts trying to rush a shot. It was, you know, just kind of patience offensively. And that's kind of the luxury we can do if we – you know, play within ourselves with how balanced we are, we're going to end up getting a good look if we just, you know, keep the ball moving and stay patient and not kind of force any bad shots. And, you know, you talked earlier about our two-point field goal percentage, you know, being able to, you know, get the ball in the paint, swung, and, you know, even late in the shot clock, get a pick and roll and, and just, you know, sticking within what we do and staying patient like that because eventually we'll get a good look. And um, obviously we like to get up and run and, you know, shoot quickly if we can, but, didn't seem like we necessarily ever had to take like a lot of, um, you know, contested shots at the end of the shot clock because we eventually got a good look. Yeah, I don't think the, I, you know, I think pace is something that you guys are always trying to win. That's a battle you, that Creighton's trying to win on a nightly basis. But it comes in several different it, several different facets, right? Because there's pace in terms of getting the game up and down and creating high possessions, right? But I didn't think the first half was only 31 possessions and they scored mm-hmm. forty. They scored 42 points, so. Um, that's crazy efficiency, right? And then, yeah. Um, so I don't know what the what the final possession total was, but it did feel like, from just a possession standpoint, that it the the pace, the tempo in terms of possessions favored Butler, but the pace that Creighton played with in the quarter court favored Creighton because mm-hmm. you constantly keep that ball moving, keep the people moving, make Butler chase the game essentially the whole time. Uh, that's when you create those openings, right? So. You know, how much of a key is it, even when a team is like bogging the game down and, you know, pounding the ball into the floor when they get the ball on offense and not creating uh, opportunities for Creighton to run essentially every 15 seconds. It's more taking like 20 and 30 in that range. Um, how important is the pace in the quarter court uh, in order to keep like Creighton's flow and rhythm going and let them be in the game instead of having to walk the ball up and, and try to attack uh, set defenses the whole time? Yeah, I mean, that that's everything. It's, you know, you can have a lower possession game because the other team is going to control it up. You've seen, you know, teams like, you know, Jay Wright, who Nova's usually a, can can play up tempo if they want to, but there's games where he has them just walk it up the floor against us because you want to limit those possessions. And that's where it's key still because you can still have a really good offensive game and score in the 70s because you're, of your efficiency if there's less possessions. And so that was, you know, like you just said, it was – didn't seem like a high possession game tonight and we still scored 87 because of that you know patience of getting the ball swung side to side and it, it is important not to just become stagnant offensively and you know that's where if, it, if it's a low possession game and we're stagnant offensively that's where you know creating teams usually get in trouble because you know we're, we're not in that rhythm offensively and not in that flow and when we and you know I've said it a couple times tonight but it's that getting the ball side to side setting the ball screen, diving, you know, rotating drive kick and just staying spread. It's, it's, it's tough to defend if you move the ball two or three different times from side to side. And, you know, it, 
a team like Butler is can you know defend pretty well, but it's tough to defend for 30 seconds if you keep them moving. It's it's nobody wants to play defense like that. If you if you stay stagnant, keep the ball on one side of the floor, it's a little easier to defend because then your your defense is set. So um, yeah, if it's going to be a lower possession game, like a lot of teams are going to try to do, and you know it may happen in the tournament next weekend as well, where you know a team was going to more than likely want to slow it down against uh, Creighton. It's you know still maintaining that flow offensively and you know, knowing we can get what we want if we trust the, uh, trust the, you know, the, the ball movement and the, the pacing, spacing, excuse me. Gotcha. Um, last guy I wanted to talk about before we jump into questions here, I haven't checked to see how many we got, but uh, if not, we can circle back to other topics. Um, Antoine Jones off the bench tonight. Uh, it seems like he's, uh, you know, he's kind of struggled lately with his consistency a little bit. And, you know, obviously when that, when you're in your first year in the program and you're playing a reserve role, if you haven't found a good rhythm and consistency by this time of the year, you usually don't find it again. Right. I mean, it's tough because you have to build that confidence and have something to re- rely on when it comes to March. Right. But it seems like tonight, he got going pretty – like, I think DJ drove in and finished that bucket on Enzi and then uh, butted heads with Alex O'Connell, so he had to come out and deal with that busted nose. So I think he was out for seven minutes, I think, he missed of time mm-hmm. after getting off to that hot start. Uh, you know, but Antoine comes in, uh, grabs a couple boards, uh, is in the right spots defensively, doesn't really, you know, have those defensive breakdowns. Um, had a couple dimes in, in the open floor. I think he hit. Christian in stride on a transition break for an easy catch and go up and finish. And then um, broke his guy down off the dribble, uh, drove to the elbow, uh, flipped it back to Sharif for a wide open catch and shoot three. Um, so, but he finished eight points, four assists, four boards, no turnovers tonight. I mean, if you're getting that out of Antoine Jones, that's pretty, that's pretty potent going forward. I mean, he's, he's had the, he's had, he's taken over, a couple of these games this year, the Xavier win at home doesn't happen. That's a loss without Antoine playing well. He's shown that he's really good in the open floor when he gets those opportunities, but he's, he's, you know, he's had some inconsistencies and he's been, you know, it looks like he's fighting the game a little bit. Did you see a a dramatic difference tonight or is it just a matter of, you know, some shots went in or like, it's not as any more simple than that. Well, and it wasn't just the shots going in because you you read the stat line there, the no turnovers is huge and kind of playing within the offense. And like you said, he's had some games like that where it, it seems to almost come easy to him. And then there's other games where it's almost like he's fighting it. And and uh, I'm sure it's as well, it's on the defensive end. And, and he seemed, you know, from what I could see from the, you know, as an outside perspective, he seemed to be locked in defensively as well. And that's that's huge to, you know, give it on both ends of the floor as well. And, you know, he, he, to your point, just was able to facilitate really well and kind of fill up the stat sheet and no turnovers is huge. Cause once again, it, you know, when, when we don't turn the ball over as an offense in general, it's, you know, it's usually pretty good because teams have a tough time defending us anyway. So, you know, games where we have high turnovers in general are don't equate to, cause it's just wasted possessions. And, you know, Antoine did a great job tonight of, you know, coming in and, you know, it's, that's where it's huge in a game like this to be able to, you know, control a game like we did because you get a guy like Antoine and, you know, Alex O'Connell, you know, Ryan gets, you know, a, a more and more minutes down at the end of the year to where, you know, if, if DJ and, you know, Alex butt heads and they aren't able to come back and it's a you know tight ball game in the Big East tournament or an NCAA tournament game, you, 
now these guys like that have these type of minutes in, in the late situation and, you know, can maintain that rhythm because that's, that's what it is when you're, a, you know, a bench player that you don't maybe play every game or don't play more than, you know, a couple minutes every game. It's just kind of getting into a rhythm. And when you have a night like tonight where Creighton did and was able to get all these guys, you know, double digit minutes that maybe haven't been getting double digit minutes, that's huge just to kind of get a rhythm and get a little confidence going because, you know, that's, that's half the battle. And, that's part of, you know, that's what comes with more minutes is just kind of that comfortability. And you could see that with Antoine tonight. Yeah, that was like, the, that was probably the standout performance to me because I think that's the one that can be that can be used to build on in terms of finding something that wasn't already there that you can use as a, as a little bit of a curveball or a new part of the equation come when these do or die games keep, keep getting thrown at you essentially, which is what this time of the year is all about really. You know, everybody kind of knows Damian Jefferson can perform right now. Everybody knows Marcus Zekorowski can get going. Um, you know, and while, while DJ and Christian maybe aren't top of the scouting report type of guys, they've shown the ability now this year that they can go off, change a game, win a game with their own performance, even though you're maybe not the the top two guys on the scouting report. So if you get someone like Sharif to score eight points and hit two threes, that's huge. If you get someone like Antoine who can, you know, come out there and hit that turnaround mid-range jumper, you know, dish out four assists, not turn the ball over. Um, you know, Alex O'Connell get to his spots, uh, you know, play good defense, make some energy plays. Like that all changes the equation right there because that's that lets that that shows you creating ceiling, doesn't it? Like if you see there there aren't many teams in the country. There might only be three or four, honestly, that can beat Creighton when, when Creighton's playing like that. I mean, is that far-fetched Absolutely. to say? Like, I don't know if there's a lot of teams that can keep up with that type of firepower up and down the roster and that type of efficiency on top of it. There's maybe only three, like three or four. I mean, that kind of depth and balance. <clears throat> you, you've got teams like Gonzaga and, and Baylor, excuse me, that are, you know, have that depth, have that, experience and you know maybe even more length than Creighton does and after that it's you know you have teams that are solid and you know the ones and two seeds that are out there but when Creighton's at their best offensively I mean there's not a lot of teams better than them in the country um and as balanced as them in, in the country either so that's what's that's what's fun you know if we talked a little earlier they had a couple you know stinker games this year but you hope that those are behind us and these type of performances and playing our best ball at the end of the year is what we need. And, you know, it's when, when we're balanced, like we are offensively and we're tied together defensively, we're, we're tough to beat. Let's, uh, let's jump into questions here. And um, I think we got enough topics here to finish off the night. We don't want to go like two hours into the quarterfinal game. We want to let it breathe. So people can listen to this before the next game. Um Let's see. Uh, first question. <laughs> so I guess uh, Jacob Badilla, uh, shout out Jacob. Oh, I guess he's done covering the Huskers now. They lost last night. So he's a free agent now, ready to watch some Jays games. Um, yeah, Jacob wants an in-depth. Can you get an in-depth breakdown of all the walk-on buckets? So, I mean, we probably don't have a better guest on the night to break down what, it's, what, what goes through the mind of a walk-on when they get into – uh, the game. I mean, first of all, like they got in with like f 
550 something left that's a lot of time to get some work yeah in, probably right? the last like, four or five minutes for sure yeah what's going through your mind there when you know you've got about six minutes including a media timeout to to cook out there yeah so really my career you know when you know i i guess i had a lot of games a lot of later in my career obviously i was a threat to to play quite a bit but right um you know that first year when i wasn't playing every game and you know it's once you have a game like this where you start getting up in the 20s you're like oh it kind of gets to 12 minutes left you start stretching a little bit and you know making sure you're ready to go because you'll know you'll go in maybe with four or five minutes left and like a lot of guys did and we've got a, you know a, a deep roster this year so um you know it was nice to see all those guys out there but um it's you know to your points it's a lot more fun when you go in with four or five minutes left and kind of get your feet wet i think jet went in with the last like eight minutes but um you know that's we talked about rhythm, you know, when you don't play a lot and, you know, a lot of the walk-ons that don't really ever play except for those last couple of minutes, it's when you get out there and actually get a couple consecutive minutes, it's, it's huge for the rhythm. And, you know, we saw a couple of guys get, get some, uh, some buckets. So it was fun. I know, I know Devin Davis had a little same foot right-handed layup and um, nice, nice take to the bucket. And um, I, I think, was it that Sammy maybe had a putback, rebound or something like that or uh, yeah I think that's what he got yeah um so that was that was good to see and then um the one of the better parts was um you know Murph getting a mid-range jumper and you could see the bench in the background just mob coach Murph and um you know it'd, it'd be be interesting to ask Murph what March moment was better that or his Hampton win um, yeah I'm, right I'm sure he it was pretty fun to see his you know son score a bucket in the garden but um so no that's that those are the games that make it a lot of fun and you can see the the energy on the bench when you know those guys scored and it's that's you know tied off a perfect game for us because you know it was just from start to finish a great game and then just a lot of a lot of you know excitement and joy at the end of the game more than anything yeah i think i definitely might text murph to ask that question that's a good one but like so you know what i want to talk about that a little bit for i just want to get your get your thoughts on it because you know that kid like he grew up like it's just like tucker right there you watch him like these when did you get to creighton 13 14 2013 yeah oh 2013 okay so that was your red shirt year so eight years but murph is murph was 10 then right little guy so like tucker like preston jr all those dudes like you watched all those guys grow up like what what was going through your head when you saw like little murph out there like hitting a jumper at madison square garden like that had to that had, to be, that had to be pretty cool. Yeah, it probably makes you feel old. Yeah. Had to be pretty cool, too, at the same time, because you used to watch that kid, like, you know, try to shoot hoops after practice and stuff. Yeah, I mean, all, all my teammates that I played with that were my age or older and, you know, seeing Tucker now as a – Tucker and Preston as, a, you know, seniors in high school. And, you know, there was – Murph was always, you know, right there with him as well as just, you know, growing up, 19 years old, the first time I met them and now seeing them, you know, playing college ball or about to be playing college ball it's it's pretty wild it's kind of hard to believe but it's 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 funny I mean it's it's uh it's great to see and uh it was exciting to see him you know hit that bucket and it seemed like you know all the guys at the end there were you know attacking and you know getting some good buckets so it's it made made for a fun into the game but yeah it, it is bizarre seeing some of these coaches sons growing up before our eyes all of them, man. Like I think Lou's Lou's daughter was playing soccer at Creighton last year. Like they're all grown ups. I mean, Sid was playing volleyball at Northwest yeah, Missouri. Lots, like, lots of girls are 
Yeah, yeah. SIU Edwardsville, they're going to play soccer, or uh, Caroline's going to play soccer there. All of them are growing up. It's crazy. It is. It does make you feel a little for sure. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, so this is on Marcus's pass. So, like, Marcus is – you mentioned Marcus is behind the back dime to Christian, right, along the baseline. Uh, mm-hmm. They had, the like, the floor cam going when he did that. So yeah, it was hard to kind of really be paying attention to see it. They had some good replays, luckily. Um, But yeah, you maybe couldn't quite appreciate it if you didn't see it live or didn't understand the, um, you know, the timing of that was huge. And that that, luckily they had a baseline angle that was, you know, a perfect just like timing placement of it because no, it wasn't like Christian was wide open. He still had to catch and finish and Mm -hmm. it was, you know, perfect pass. What I think the first time I remember that and them using that camera, that floor cam was was uh, your what year were you in 2017? Were you a junior or sophomore? Uh, junior, yeah, junior, yeah, okay. it was the year we made the final, right? Yep, yep, yeah. That yeah. was the, that was the first year I remember it. So, so you're you're I I don't know how I feel about it watching it, but definitely on that play, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see how that is a worthless angle to use for. Yeah. I think the I think the question the question is pretty funny. It's like, what's going on with that stupid camera angle? Did Fox think we want to know what the game look, would look like if we were toddlers sitting at courtside? Like, it's true because they are. You are really low. Like, you're basically on the floor. So you, yeah, it's you're not even. Yeah, exactly. Floor. Like, what's the point of that? Yeah, I think they. It was actually kind of funny because uh, I, I do remember the first time they had that. It was kind of you know we we went you know that year we didn't play the first night like the playing game. So I remember we remembered being at the game we went for like a half or so that Wednesday night and saw it there and I was like well that's kind of funky and you know then you see they would they seem to show it a lot more that year because they're probably showing it off and you know where they just it's 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 cool it's unique it's different it's probably just trying to you know bring different ideas and angles to it and I actually you saw it a lot actually in the NBA bubble too because they had the space to do it so I think they did something similar um this past summer but um, yeah, it's, I think it's more than anything, just kind of ways to switch things up. And, and this year you saw a lot of different cameras. So they, I guess, get a little bit more creative. But, um, yeah, it doesn't always – I guess a lot of people don't like change if it's going to kind of hamper any sort of angles that you get. But luckily they had other camera angles to pick up that pass because, yeah, you um, needed to appreciate it if you could actually see the, uh, the level of difficulty. Yeah, I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have had an issue if Marcus didn't go behind his back on that. Like if, if it was just a normal like dump off dunk, like that would have been okay. Like the angle would have yeah. worked fine. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a cool angle. It does feel yeah. like you're sitting for side or sitting yeah. on the floor, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Ting wants to know. I think this will be probably our last question. Uh, but Ting wants to know uh, if you can hit us up with some of your um, favorite non basketball related. NYC Big East tournament memories. So non, so like I think if we were to ask you basketball, it's probably Xavier's number one, right? Like that's not even going to get touched, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean that that we hit a clutch three, you won like late, like that's it's hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, I mean that game was awesome, and what was fun about that week, which is probably again the favorite non basketball memory too, is um, I had a lot of my family there, and you know celebrating with them. You know, this is still kind of basketball related, but, you know, we had a bunch of students there. I, I bet Ting was even there that year. Um, you know, the student section after we won the game and, you know, somehow my older brothers were right there with the students because I think they snuck down there. Um, nice. And so, nice. like, 
having, you know, like celebrating with them. And then that night, you know, we get back and it's like past midnight by the time we're at the hotel and just all the Jays fans at the uh, Affinia or Stewart Hotel, whatever it was called now. And so like, you know, just packed coming into off the bus, you know, there's a little bar right there. And so everybody's just like going crazy and it's just, you know, celebration. It was pretty surreal. And so, I mean, really the the non-basketball memories still obviously revolve around it, but like just the fans in New York that were always there, like the walkthroughs are pretty special um, when the, the lobby is just packed and we're walking out to our bus before a game. I mean, it's, it's uh, kind of hard to, hard to believe and kind of hard to explain when you're walking through just, everybody going nuts in the band playing and it's literally you're in a hotel, but um, those send offs are pretty cool. And, you know, it was just a lot of, you know, we, we went stay at the same hotel every year. So five different years and um, you kind of start to become really familiar with the couple blocks around um, the garden where we stayed. And so, I mean, it was just cool to, you know, play at different areas. We got to practice at, you know, this Jordan brand court, which is, really unique and bizarre but um you know it's just kind of uh, when you're there in new york it's just kind of a different different atmosphere and different energy um so basketball or non-basketball is a lot of fun and you know fans like you know ting who were were there around my age it was fun to you know catch up with them after games whenever we could but uh you know it was it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun when you win a game or two and you're there for you know multiple days because you know that run we had when we made the finals it um, tough to beat a, a better week than that just because obviously the basketball but it, like I said I had a lot of family there so it's just one of easily my favorite basketball memories of all time is there a, something you look forward to the most about because you guys are all I mean basketball players are, are creatures of habit creatures of habit right you guys like your routine you like to settle into something you like to know you like to know what's next essentially you like to know what to expect mm-hmm. um, is there something you like learn to uh, love so much that it became like the number one thing you wanted to do as soon as you got to New York, as soon as you guys landed and settled in and, you know, got all your stuff put away in the rooms. And was there a part of New York you were like, Hey, I gotta go hit this up real quick. You know, not really. Cause I, you know, I, after a couple of years, you kind of see all that you need to see. Um, me personally, I, I don't think I could ever live in New York. Um, it's not for me, but like, so once you get to like the last couple of years, you're just kind of hoping to get as much gym time as you can, because that's the thing when you play in these tournaments and you said the creatures of habit, like, you know, you'd like to normally get a shoot around at a, you know, a good gym, whether it's the arena or like a practice arena. Um, you're used to that, it, you know, whether you're on the road at home, you have a full shoot around usually. And so that's something where you might be playing an early game or you might be playing a late game, but there's, you know, no gyms or there's that, you know, Jordan brand gym, like you said. So you don't, you don't really get as much time there to, you know, much court time, I should say. So, you know, that's where it's like, you're just trying to kind of find as much court time as you can, because ultimately you're there to win. And, um, but, you know, I, it, it is, it is fun though. Cause I, again, it's kind of hard to describe. It's even, like I said, even if, even though I wouldn't live there, it's, it's still an awesome energy and, yeah, I'd say just looking forward to it. You're just kind of looking forward to seeing all the the Creighton fans and ultimately just getting inside the garden and getting getting closer to game time because it's at the end of the day that's what makes it super special too is just the history there and there's just a different energy in that building and so it's uh, it's a lot of a lot of fun to walk around um, walk out and run on the court there because it's just a, a a cool venue to play basketball with so much history. 
So it is just like it does mean a lot to just be able to take everything you love about Creighton, the 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 environment, the atmosphere, the fan base, and just like pick it up and kind of move it to Madison Square Garden and like put it on the biggest stage in in basketball, essentially. Yeah, and it's it's cool because I mean it's unique. It, you know, it's obviously a neutral site, and so like Creighton usually has one of the highest contingencies there, but it still doesn't feel like a home game because it's you know twenty thousand or whatever, and you may have you know, three or 4,000 Creighton fans. So awesome, you know, maybe more than that. I don't remember exactly how it show up, but like you still have a neutral site, but even like just the casual fans at that tournament are just super energetic and into it. And you can kind of just, mm-hmm. just a buzz about the game, even a, a game like tonight, well, normally a game like tonight when there's 20,000 fans there, it's just, there's still just a, an energy in the building. It's, it's different too, because we played St. John's there a couple of times and it's, it's still cool to play St. John's there, but it was just completely different than playing there in the Big East tournament because you just have a buzz going around. I mean, it's kind of it's a great basketball city, obviously, and people are just excited. I think that it's Big East tournament and March basketball. It's yeah. uh, I don't know, it's just a different atmosphere. You went through semifinal night twice. I feel like semifinal night is the is like when Matt when it, when it when it's really special, like because there's just so much energy in the building. Like your hair stands mm-hmm. up. Especially yeah. if it's especially if it's good, like your your junior year, I think Villanova and Seton Hall came down to the last shot. Yeah, and then your game with Xavier came down to the last shot. So mm-hmm. the place was like just there was so much energy in that building. Like that that has to be like if you were allowed to zoom out and not like think about basketball for a split second, I bet it's pretty cool to look around and be like, wow, this place is rocking right now. Yeah, no, I, I still remember we were in the tunnel waiting to come out, seeing all Nova game, and you're just kind of watching the game on like a monitor nearby. And I don't remember, it might have been hard or somebody had a late tip in, or maybe that, maybe Josh, I was here before, but re- regardless, it was, you know, it was that night was obviously a special night because then it's, it's also pretty late. Like, I feel like we didn't start that game until like 9 30. Right, um, right. And so it, it is just, it's, hard to describe i mean there's cool environments that you play in um and you know i was fortunate to play in a lot of cool road games but you know conference or non-conference but there is just a different atmosphere there so you know when people ask the favorite place to play it's hard it's 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 the you know easy answer cliche answer but it, it is true i mean when you're playing in the garden and especially a big east tournament game it's just a, a different energy it's hard to describe yeah well, TC, I appreciate your insights, man. Like, I love picking your brain about basketball, even when we're not recording. Um, so we'll see how long this ride goes. It's, it's do or die time. So honestly, like, they're they're playing like they got they're guaranteed two more games. That's how short this season is essentially now. So I hope everybody appreciates it because it doesn't end quick. Um, but if we get down the road, if they make a run, I hope to have you on again and pick up pick apart another one of these games with this with this group. Um, but I do appreciate your time tonight and, and dissecting this one for me. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. And like you said, hopefully we can keep on rolling and have as many games as possible the last couple of weeks here. For sure. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. I appreciate your questions and your comments and your feedback. Um, check out this podcast on white and blue We'll have it up on iTunes and SoundCloud. So, you know, check it out before uh, tomorrow's semifinal game. Cause all this stuff will be uh, aging quickly. Um, but we'll come at you tomorrow night with another post-game podcast after it uh, looks like UConn's up 17 right now. So I'm going ahead and pencil them in for the semifinal. Um, 
So, yeah, we'll talk to you tomorrow after creating the semifinal game in the Big East tournament. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.